Everybody, thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Louisville podcast today. This is taken from our most recent service. If you find it to be a blessing, would you share it with somebody that you know would be blessed by it as well? You can find us on Facebook if you simply type in the Pentecostals of Louisville and on Instagram if you type in the same. Our service times are Sunday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And if you've never joined us in person for service before, we'd love to see you there. God bless you. and God's grace and for so great a salvation thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord amen amen if you would get your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 13 Luke chapter 13 and verse number 10 the way I'm thinking about this, it's really 1037 according to your natural clock. So don't let this 1137 throw you off. It's actually 1030 and we normally don't get out till, you know, 1230. So just think about that as I start preaching. Amen. Amen. But not too long, not too long. Amen. Luke chapter 13 and verse Number 10, amen. As you're turning there, amen, I'm so thankful for God's, God's hand and God's blessing. Thankful today for His goodness, amen. I'm thankful for His awareness. We talked um, Wednesday night about the God who sees the lilies or the wildflowers and how He takes care of them. And we talked about the God who sees the sparrow, not just the sparrow, but all the different birds. And the Word of God says that He gave them the ability to find food. He gives them the materials to build their nest and their home. He takes care of them. They're on His radar. He he sees them. And if He does that for the birds, and if the beautiful lilies wildflowers have nutrients in the ground they're never weed they're not weeded they're not fertilized by man but yet they're still there they still spring forth and if God has supplied their need how much more is he aware of you today can I tell you that God is always he's always come through for me and my family Amen. There have been times where we didn't know what was going to happen. I felt like a wildflower just being tossed back and forth in the breeze. Amen. But then God, He came through. God has come through so many times that I just, I've just stopped doubting Him anymore. Amen. I just know that He has it all in His hand. Amen. And I've come to understand that, that even in those lean moments and lean times, amen, that it's okay. The Lord must think that I, I, can, I can endure it. That I can make it, amen. But I know, I know that God's going to take care of me, amen. And that he's aware of me. 
There's never not a time in my life that God is not aware of me. Amen. Look at somebody close and say, He sees you. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But He does. Luke 13 and verse 10. And He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And he was bowed and and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. I'm going to bring your attention to verse number 12 again. She was in a certain condition. I'm sure that's how people have seen her for 18 years. But the Bible says in verse 12, And when Jesus saw her, he saw her. When others might have seen past her, or might have not seen her for who she was and what she was enduring, he saw her, and he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she made, was made straight and glorified God. 1 Peter chapter, chapter 3 and verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. Amen. You can make your way there. They have it up on the screen. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. I'm glad that his eyes are upon his church. I'm glad that he sees us. I want to talk to you for a moment. I felt such a burden for this over the last three or four weeks. But I want to talk to someone here today that over the last year, the last few months, that you feel like that you've kind of just fallen out of sight, that you've fallen out of favor, that you just haven't gotten anybody's attention. Amen. But I want to talk to you about the one who always sees. I want to preach to you this morning about the God who sees. The God who sees. Lord, we love you today. We're so thankful for your awareness in our lives. We're so thankful, Lord, that that you're involved in our comings and our goings. We're thankful, Lord, that your presence is always so near to us. And Lord... I ask today that you would encourage and that you would strengthen, that you would remind those here today that feel like, Lord, they have, they have fallen off this heavenly radar, that they feel like that they can't find your gaze or your attention, Lord. I want you to remind them today, Lord, with your presence today and with your word. But God, they are, they are the apple of your eye. They are in the center of your eye, O oh Lord. They are at the middle, the center of your attention today, Lord. Strengthen us today, Lord. Move in this place in a palpable way, Lord. And we'll give you the glory and give you all the praise. And the church says in Jesus' name, can we put our hands together and give the Lord a good praise offering before we're seated? And you can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
He's the God who sees. Just take a moment and think about that and ponder that, that thought. That the eyes of the Lord are upon me. He has milky ways to stare at. The ocean depths to peer through. He has shooting stars to capture his attention. But the word of God tells us that his eyes are not on those things today. But his eyes are upon you. And his eyes are upon me. The psalmist also struggled with the idea that that the God of all creation was somehow interested in the affairs of man. When he wrote the words that we all ponder from time to time. What is man that thou art mindful of him? What is it about us, Lord, that causes you to not look at all of the other myriad of things, but causes your attention to be focused on us? Attention is it's one of the most powerful forces in the world, along with food and water. Everybody needs attention. The baby, young, and, 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 and learning boundaries and recognizing faces and developing the skills to communicate, it, it needs the attentive gaze of a human face. The kindness of recognition is, plays a large part in that baby's development. That, that young baby, the, the joy or anger or sorrow is reflected. When it's reflected in the face of another, it recognizes that. It learns human emotion, not from what they are going through, but what they recognize on the face of another. Psychologists speak of this as attunement. When the baby becomes attuned with what other people are going through, not only do they feel the atmosphere change in the room and the mood begin to be altered, but they can see the face and the frown and the scowl and with the, the, the smile, the acceptance can all be delivered from simply looking at one's face. And the baby somehow begins to realize that it's possible to be connected, to be in tune with another human being and then that face it disappears and the baby frantically tries to figure out how to bring that face back that loving that accepting face back before its own uh, that that face becomes a mirror through which that child learns and whether it's a source of delight or disappointment, it learns to become attuned with the face. A child simply cannot grow and mature properly without a face. The face is what tells that baby that it matters, that it has purpose, that it belongs, and that it is connected. It is the attentive gaze of that face that implies to the child that it matters and that someone is watching over me. Someone is concerned about my needs and about what I'm going through. Eric Erickson wrote it like this. Hardly has one learned to recognize the familiar face when it becomes also frightfully aware of the unfamiliar of the strange face 
of the unresponsive face. It becomes familiar with the averted face or the frowning face. And here begins the inexplicable tendency on man's part to feel that it has in some way caused that face to turn away. The baby cries, the baby motions, the baby yearns, and then that face is drawn towards it but over moments and over time that face is diverted and it's a natural feeling for the baby to think that I've done something there's something that I've done to cause that face to turn away oh what a, what a, what what a, how much better we would feel that as we grew and as we mature that we would lose that that, that, that principle in our lives but I don't care whether you're a baby or whether you're 5 or whether you're 20 or whether you're 50 we all at times feel like that we're the ones responsible when the faces turn away what have I done what, what have I said what, what, what have I done to cause that face and that person to turn away from me And sadly some people go through their whole life thinking that somehow they've caused every face to turn from their gaze. But I want to stop here. I want to pause here just for a moment this morning. I want to remind everyone in this place uh, that there is a face that will never turn away. That others might have looked away. And somebody else may have implied that you don't rank high enough uh, on their scale to get their attention. Uh, But I've come to tell you today that the eyes of the Lord are upon you. Let me remind you again today that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And if his eye is on the sparrow, my friend, then you better believe it. Then I know that he's watching you. And I know that he's watching me. You have not fallen off his radar. You are not inconsequential. You're not just a stat. But you're the crown jewel of creation. You're the apple of his eye. You're the reason he robed himself in flesh. You're the reason divinity put himself in the realm of creation. You're the reason that God stepped out of heaven and put himself in harm's way to redeem you. You're the reason. And his eyes are upon you this morning. Oh, the face, the accepting face, the gaze of God, it's so very important. No matter what age we get, we look for the affirmation. We look for that face. Gerald Egan reports a study in which they, they, they did a little, uh, a little scientific study with students that at a prearranged signal where the speaker the professor did not know what was happening. And uh, at a prearranged signal, um, the, 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 the student switched from a slouched, passive, no eye contact posture. They acted like they weren't paying attention to what he was saying. They acted as if they were disinterested. But when they, 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 they gave him a signal, all of a sudden they, uh, they started leaning forward. They, they started uh, nodding their heads. And they started looking attentively at the teacher. Well, something dramatic happened. The teacher just came, came to life. And his teaching got better. He, was, uh, uh, he lost the monitor tone in his voice and uh, he became uh, dramatic and and his stories were brought back to life and the atmosphere in the room changed and then a few minutes later they 
gave the signal and the students kind of went back to slouching and looking around and all of a sudden uh, as if uh, right on cue the teacher went back to the monotone. He went back to, to just, you know, because there was no face. He was looking for confirmation and, and because there was no, no reinforcement, he just went back to the way that it was. Can I tell you that that, that that principle helps explain that there's always two preachers in the house of God. There is the minister and there is the congregation. And as these students begin to recognize and as these students begin to make faith, eye contact and as these students began to be attentive and, and give all of their attention to what was happening, all of a sudden they started getting the very best of what that teacher and what that professor, they were like a team working in combo and the class was just electric. And I tell you, that's the way it is in the house of the Lord. When the preacher begins to preach, the congregation begins preaching back. I can't tell you how many times when I'm preaching on a tough subject, I'll gaze the crowd. And all I need, Brother Richland, is one face to look at me and say, Preacher, I know you're plowing the field. I know what you're saying is not popular. I know what you're going through is not easy. But all I need is one face. Then all of a sudden, the preacher, the evangelist, the Bible study teacher comes alive. And it changes the total atmosphere. I tell you what happens when the minister and the, and the congregation get in duo. And when we, be, when we get locked in, everybody benefits from that. Everybody benefits from that. When guests come, all of a sudden they know that the atmosphere has changed in the room. Because we're working together as a team when we recognize each other and when our faces are met. That's why we, there are certain faces that we look for. Certain people that I, I look for for affirmation. There are phone calls on Sunday afternoon that I get from people that I just, I just, it's not that I, not, not, it's not that I need it or that my psyche will rise and fall on it. But man, it just, it just, it's just there. It's just, it's just there. Bro, brother, brother, our sound man, he catches, our sound man catch, they catch a lot of flack, don't they? Let me tell you, Brother Reed's ministry is not just behind um, that lectern back there and making sure the sound sounds great every Sunday. Let me tell you what, more often than not, somewhere on Sunday, I get a text from Brother Reed saying, Brother Griffiths, you did great. You knocked it out of the park. Thank you for, 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 for what you had to say. And, and then, you know, thank you for loving my family. Thank you for the, that, that doesn't have to, ha you know, that doesn't, you don't have to do that. And, 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 but you know what? That, that, I, I appreciate that. And it makes me want to get in this pulpit and do better the next Sunday. And that's just how it works. But even more than just getting a text, uh, it's good to come in here and look for. There are faces that I look for. There's faces that I look for during the week that I know that I'm going to get affirmation. That I know they love me and I love them. And there's a mutual something going on respect and you just feel better when you are and then there are some faces I go oh dear lord <laughs> there's faces that I try to oh dear god hide their face from me there's some faces I don't want to see because they're like vampires they just suck all the goodness out of your life <laughs> you know like, I want to see that face, but oh, dear God. And it, I mean, it doesn't mean they're pretty or ugly. It, it just means they just, they may be pretty ugly. But anyway, that's not what I meant right there, okay? That's not, where I, that's not what I was going for. It has nothing to do with their appearance. It has everything to do with their spirit, amen? It has everything to do with whether they're putting a brick on you or taking a brick off of you. But there's certain faces that we look for and certain people that encourage you. You know why they encourage you? Because they pay you attention. 
they're going to give you the time. Um, uh, this is not really getting into to, to politics here, but I, uh, year, years, years ago um, at uh, Arkansas camp meeting, their governor at the time was President Bill Clinton. And Bill Clinton would come to the Arkansas camp meeting. And for two years, he actually brought his saxophone. And uh, because of his friendship with the Mangans and also the Mangans family in Arkansas, uh, he brought his saxophone. And he actually played his saxophone during one of the services there. And afterwards, uh, he uh, went over to the side and, and he was, well, he was the governor. And then he came back one time as the president. But the governor, they knew he was running, running for president. And, and uh, um, he was over to the side. And people just came by to shake his hand to pay respect, whether they agreed with his politics or not. Because that's the way it should be, right? We should just be respectful. I said, that's the way it should be. We should be respectful, right? At least that's the way it should be for Christians. Amen? I'm going to come back to that on another message. Amen. But I remember what I heard everybody say, and uh, um, uh, Sister Griffiths, her mom, went and met him. And she said, you know, the, the, the striking thing about him is that there were, there were, you know, a couple thousand people there that day, and the room was loud, and there were lots of people, and people taking pictures, and people trying to get his attention. But when I stood in front of him, when me and Larry stood in front of him, when he looked at me, I was the only person he saw. He said he just had the uncanny, uncanny ability to, like, knock everything else out of the way. And at that moment, you, it was like you had his undivided attention. And it wasn't something sincere. It was a, it was a gift that he, was, that he had naturally. It was a gift that when you talked to him, it wasn't divided. You could tell he wasn't just trying to do it long enough to move on to the next person. It was just a gift that he had that you just... You felt like that you have known him forever. You know, there, there are people that, that have that gift. And there are faces that we look for, for that affirmation. But, but it says, you know, we, we, we enjoy being around people that, 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 that pay attention to us. And, and, and notice, I was very careful with my wording right there. I, I, I didn't say that, that, that we, we love being around people that give us attention. Because you have to pay attention. Attention is so valuable, you don't give it away. You have to pay it away. Because it will cost you something to give somebody your undivided attention. It will cost someone to give the attention that somebody else requires or somebody else deserves. This is a precious commodity. Um, uh, uh, this, this attention is precious. Uh, and it requires the currency of emotion, of care, and of concern and respect. Uh, and it will always cost you some time. And the cost to pay attention to someone is very considerable. That's why the Bible says says that the priest and the Levite, when they saw the man that was beaten and robbed and broken in the ditch, they didn't give him any attention and they weren't willing to pay him any attention. They had places to be and things to do and they didn't want to pay that man attention. But the good Samaritan, he paid attention. He not only gave him money when he got to the end so that he could recover, but he paid him with his time and he paid him with with his concern and he paid him with his emotion. Let me tell you, and if we're going to win the lost in this city, it's going to cost us. We're going to have to pay attention every single day to the hurting and the broken people that we come in contact with. They're there every day, but we've got to be willing to pay, pay attention. One of the greatest miracles in this life is that God pays attention to us. 
And at creation at the very beginning, God was telling humanity, you have my undivided attention. Because we were created. Everything else was, was flung into existence. Everything else was spoken into existence. But you and I, the Bible says the word of God is that he formed us from the dust of the earth. And that he breathed into the nostrils of man. It was as if God of all creation got face to face with humanity. And he breathed into the nostrils of man. So you and I were created face to face. And he desires for us to live face to face. And it cost him. It cost him to pay attention. It cost him physically. It cost him emotionally. It cost him emotion. As in his earthly ministry. The Bible says he felt the crowd's hunger. He saw how they were growing weary. But the Bible says he paid attention to them. And when the disciples says send them away. The Lord said. I will not send them away and he began to heal their sicknesses and he broke the fish and the loaves and he fed them. Why? Because he paid attention to them. From Genesis to Calvary, it's apparent uh, that God has never taken his eyes uh, off of humanity. Even when they were in right standing in the garden, uh, he still walked with them uh, in the garden. Uh, and even after the fall, he showed up to walk with humanity uh, in the garden. When we were in a fallen state, God still wanted to show us uh, his face. God instructed uh, the priest to bless his people in the Old Testament in this way. Numbers 6 and 24, he said, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee thee and give thee peace. The Hebrews in the Old Testament they knew what it meant to have God's face directed at you. They knew what it meant to have God smiling at you. It was approval. It was favor. It was blessing. And they never wanted God to hide his face from them. And number 624 in the message says God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. You know to turn your face in this scripture it, it, it's not the casual listening of a preoccupied mind but it's talking about when God gives you his full face it means that God has given you his undivided, his wholehearted attention. It's God saying Israel I am fully devoted to being with you can I remind you today that God's face is not just turned on us but it is shining on us it's a face of delight it's a face of recognition it's a face of acceptance when my kids came to me and when there was mutual respect and love when I looked at them I got great pride I didn't just look at my children I still don't look just look at them but I look at them my face shines towards them there is a pride there is a love there is an acceptance and that's how God looks at you and that's how God looks at me. He's not over to the side with his face covered. No, 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 no. He's proud of you. He wants to shine his face on you. And our face, it grows radiant when we're next to those who we love the most. And that's how God loves us. His face shines towards his people because he loves us. Over and over the psalmist pleaded don't hide your face 
from me. Here I am, God. I know if you're watching me, everything is going to be all right. Hide thy face not from me. The Gospel of John in chapter 9 tells the story of a man that no one had paid attention to. He had spent his entire life being ignored. He simply was not worth noticing to most people. To say he was lonely would have been an understatement of a lifetime. He was blind and he was a beggar. He was a professional beggar. And to the disciples, he was just someone, someone, who, someone else who had got what was coming to them. For they reasoned to Jesus when they said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? When they saw this man, they just thought, well, somebody's done something. He's done something to bring this upon themselves. They didn't see a soul and they didn't see, they didn't see the tears this man has cried. All they saw was a stat. All they saw was that evidently he had it coming. They didn't see him. But Jesus saw him. They saw a problem. But Jesus saw a blind man. They saw the topic of discussion. But Jesus saw a man who had never seen a sunrise. They saw a man who had lowered himself to be begging and to ask from others. But Jesus saw a man who had been living in darkness. Who never saw a bird fly. Never saw children play. He never saw the sunset. Never saw a rainbow. They just, they just saw a problem. But God saw a man who desperately wanted to be in the light. And the greatest miracle discovered in this man's story is not him receiving his sight. But the greatest miracle in the story is the fact that you are never invisible to God. Don't think him receiving his sight was the greatest miracle. But the greatest miracle is that no matter where you are and what you've done and how long you've been going through it, God still has his eye on you. You are never overlooked. You are never alone. When people saw him, they tried to look the other way. He would try to do something to catch their attention he wasn't just wanting their money. He wasn't just begging for sustenance. He was begging for attention. He was begging for fellowship. He was begging for companionship. He was used to being ignored. It's what he did for a living. He had to overcome. He had to overcome being ignored. He was used to just being another face in the crowd, but not to Jesus. For with God, nobody is just another face. Nobody is just another problem. Nobody is just another afterthought. And the very first words of the story, it reads in John 9 and 1, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. He didn't see a condition first. He saw the man first. He didn't see where he had been first. But he saw who he was first. He saw a man. How many years had it been since someone saw this man? How many years had passed since somebody had truly turned their face towards this man. 
Jesus actually looked at him. He saw the hurt. He saw the hopelessness of a life lived in an endless night. And no one had ever seen him like Jesus. And no one has ever seen you like Jesus. The truth is, Jesus saw people that no one else ever even looked at. He didn't see them like everyone else. He really saw them. He saw their hurts. He saw their brokenness. He saw not where they were, but he saw what they could become. He saw a tax collector, and he saw more. I saw a woman desperate for healing that she grabbed the hem of his garment and risked her reputation. He saw a widow giving an offering when everybody else was paying attention to, the, to what, quote, the big givers were. He saw her might. He saw the children that the disciples wanted to usher away, and he said, Suffer the little children to come unto me. He saw the broken that others overlooked. Others were ashamed of. Others that didn't know how to deal with it. He looked. And in Jesus' day, people believed in a cause and effect relationship between suffering and sin. They believed that it made them feel better if they could, they could think that a suffering person somehow deserved their suffering. In other words, they've done something for this to come upon them. The problem with this is, is that, that we judge people. And when you judge people and when you say, well, they got what they had coming. I wonder what they did to deserve this. When you you get in the habit of judging people, you feel less of an obligation to pay them attention. Because when you judge them and say, well, they had it coming, then you're justifying your lack of compassion. You're justifying your unwillingness to really get involved in their situation. I'm sure glad that's not how God looked at us. Well, I'd like to help them, but you know, they've messed this up themselves. I'd like, to, I'd like to help that marriage, but you know what? They made their own decisions, and now they got to suffer the consequences. I'm glad God's mercy and grace doesn't work that way. And your mercy and grace shouldn't work that way either. It's high time that we really see people the way that Jesus sees them. Because when you judge people, you instantly be, start justifying why you're not going to be involved and why you're not going to pay attention. So they put this man in, in a category and they forgot about him. They saw him through man's eyes. They were judging a book by its cover. By their unconcern, they were actually proclaiming to everybody that I know everything there is to know about this man. I can tell by his condition that I know everything. Look, 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 look. You cannot judge me by my scars. You cannot judge me by what I'm going through right now. You, 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 don't, know all, you don't know what it's done to me. You don't, you don't know the inside. All you know is the pain. and All you know is what you're seeing from the outside. They judge this man and they put him in a category. But God saw past our meaningless categories. He was blind. That was too depressing. He was a beggar and that was too demanding. He was a product of sin and that was too disgusting. Aren't you glad that God doesn't see it that way? That he digs beneath the surface, below the hurt and the pain. The Lord gets to the root of the problem. He doesn't just dwell on the fruit of the problem. In other words, he gets to the heart of the matter. He sees the real you and the real me. Church, we cannot hide behind the gavel and refuse to really see people. We can't do it. You can't hide behind the gavel of judgment. And see people the way that the Lord sees them. There needs to be a paradigm shift in the way 
that we see people. Brother Griffiths, well, what do you mean? Our thinking needs to be altered. If the church is going to grow and the church is going to experience the end time revival, you have to start seeing people differently. It's got to happen. You, you, you have to start seeing people the way the Lord saw them. See, God sees you. The word of God says, I knew you. I saw you from your mother's womb. And I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not plans to hurt you. Here, here's a little food for thought. I, 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 just, uh, I just read this the other day. This is, this is a paradigm shift that needs to happen in the church. And, 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 and so that we don't brush that off, it needs to happen in our church. Sometimes when pastor says the church, you think I'm talking about the church in general, and most of the time I am. But on this one, I don't want you to go, well, he's speaking about the church in general. We don't have this issue. Every church has this issue. And we need to meet it head on, conquer it, and move on. If you don't remember anything else I say, I want you to remember what I'm about to say right now. This is the paradigm shift that needs to happen in our church. Stop judging how far people still have to go. And start celebrating how far they've come. But, but, no, 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 no buts. But, 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 no, no, no buts. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what. If you can't celebrate the little things that God's done in their life, they'll never feel the acceptance they need to feel to continue on in the journey. But, 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 oh, oh look, 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 they, they don't have to meet our criteria. When they receive the Holy Ghost, get baptized in Jesus' name, they're just as saved as anybody else. That doesn't mean there's some things they got to do, they got to learn. That doesn't mean that holiness is not a journey. But we can't stand around waiting for them to fall or mess up as if it's a given. But we got to celebrate what God is doing in their life. Stop judging how far people still have to go and start celebrating how far they've come. We need a paradigm shift. Instead of judging them for who they are not yet, try loving them for who they are right now. Don't judge them for who they were, but start loving them for who God wants them to become. And I'll tell you what, loving them will bring them further faster than judging them. Accepting them will bring them further faster than having the gavel in your hand. But, 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 but. No, 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 no. There can be no buts. Because if you have buts, you know what's going to happen? You're going to justify for not including them. You're going to justify for not loving them. You're going to justify for not embracing them. You're going to find it real. Well, you know why? You know, let me tell you what. How long have you been living for God? And you still ain't got everything together. Right, 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 right. We need to celebrate how far they've come, not how far they need to go. Come on, somebody. Brother Griffiths, well, I know that. No, no, let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. New people that come into church, they can tell. They can tell when they've repented and when they've got the Holy Ghost and when they've been baptized. And they can tell if somebody, somebody's like, well, you know what? There's still this and there's still that and there's still that. Let me tell you, I, I, I couldn't grow in that atmosphere. 
I couldn't grow in the atmosphere where somebody loves me, but they keep me at arm's distance. Come on, somebody. I wouldn't be a, want to be a part of a church uh, that said I'm saved, but, but, but yet there's nothing for me to do at the house of God. Come on, somebody. You've got to love them with open arms, uh, with no reservations. Uh, and if you'll love them like that, you'll see the change a whole lot quicker. See them the way that God sees them. My, 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 I should just call altar call right here. Sit back down just for a moment. That's powerful stuff right there. Stop judging them on how far they have to go and celebrate how far they've come. He was blind from birth. That's a long time for people not to see you. But Jesus saw a man. And when Jesus sees people, things begin to change. What would happen if we could see people like Jesus saw them? Well, you would see people without the gavel. That's right. You would see people the way that God saw you. We can't be arbitrary in who we see. Because God sees everybody. If I was 80 years old, hopefully one day I will be. Oh, I'm going to be 50 in a week. Oh, Lord, Jesus. Mm, help me, Lord. If I was 80 and 60% of our congregation was 70 or older, the facts are we would probably win people that were 60 and older. That's right, because when young people came in here, they wouldn't really see themselves. The mu everything, our music, everything would be more catered to us. And they would probably have to go somewhere, you know. But, so there is some truth to who we attract, who we are. There's some truth to that. But the Great Commission says we're supposed to move, we're supposed to reach beyond that. We've got to see people. We've got to see our community. We have to start seeing our community. And see it the way that the Lord sees it. Because God sees everybody. God sees every race, every nationality. God sees every color because he created it, and it's all beautiful to him. Can I get an amen? God loves diversity because heaven's going to be a place full of diversity. Amen? That's right. And if you don't feel comfortable having a diverse church here, you're not going to be going to a diverse heaven up there. Amen? we got to see people the way that God sees people. He sees everybody, every race, every background, every soul. And we've got to see people this same way. They asked Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa. There might be a Mother Teresa too, I'm not sure. But they asked Mother Teresa what she saw as she walked the streets of Calcutta. When she saw the lepers, when she saw the broken and the diseased. She said, I see Jesus in a distressing disguise. In other words, she just made up her mind. Sister Perry, she just made her mind up. I'm going to stop seeing people as the problem. I'm not going to, you know, the Bible says that there was a man with a withered hand. He was known for his infirmity, but we can't do that. We just can't think that we know people just because of their infirmity. She made up her mind. I'm not going to see a leper. I'm going to see a soul. I'm not going to see an addict. I'm going to see a son or a daughter. 
I'm not going to just see brokenness, but I'm going to see what God can piece back together. Amen. we got to see people the way that God sees them. We have to see Jesus in everybody. And John tells us the detail of how this man had been ignored. After his healing, he comes back to his neighborhood, and they still, he had been ignored for so long, they said among themselves, wait a minute, is, is this the man? Almost, almost asking, it, it kind of resembles him, but is this, is this the man who, who sat and would, and would beg? He'd been begging in the same place for so long for most of his life that there was some question about, was this really? What? Is that, is that what he looks like now? Is, what's going on? Why? Because they never truly paid attention to him in the first place. We've all felt the sting of not being noticed. We've all felt the sting of being alone. If we could just get someone to notice where I am and what I'm going through and how I'm hurting. Haven't we all been there? Just, just for someone that's hurting today, if, if you felt that way, like why doesn't somebody see me? And, and, and wait a minute. I'm, don't raise your I'm raising my hand first. Brother Griffiths, what? You're the pastor. You're praying, you're reading, you're leading people, you're loving people. And you felt and you have felt as if nobody saw you. Nobody saw. I, I, I want to help the person that came in today that's still struggling and from thinking that they have just got nobody's. I want you to raise your hand in this place if you felt that way before. Like I'm going through something, nobody knows what I'm going through. I'm all alone. Raise your hand high. Raise it high. Now I want I want everybody to look around. There, there, there is not a hand really that just just a few that are not up in this. Can I tell you that that you're not messed up? There's nothing wrong with you. That we all feel this way from time to time. I have a feeling that someone's here today and you feel alone and frustrated and unnoticed. But God has not forgotten you. And I know it's cliche, but I'm telling you that God has not forgotten you, that he, he sees you. And when it feels like nobody else is looking at you, when prayers go unanswered, they seem to go unanswered. When doors of opportunity that you want God to open stay tightly closed. When bad things happen unexpectedly. When, when our spirit goes numb and you, all you feel is apathy and indifference. And when the bills are piling up and the income is going down and you just can't seem to get it ahead. And when your dream doesn't feel like that it's going to be fulfilled and nothing's happening as quickly as you want to. That's when the enemy of your soul wants to tell you to just give up on church and give up on your brothers and sisters and give up on God. You don't matter anyway and your life doesn't matter anyway and he can't see you and you've fallen off his radar. I want to remind you today that if he sees the sparrow in the sky and if he sees the wildflower in the field, then I know he's watching you. I've talked to that person that I've just described. I've talked to that person so many times in ministry. It's different faces, different details, but the same feelings. I've counseled with that person in my office. I've prayed with that person in the altar. I think at different times we've all been that person. And if you feel that way today, you need to know that, that you need to know this, that we see you. 
that we see you. That the Pentecostals are a little, we see you. We're going to do better about asking about you. We're going to do better about seeing you. We're going to do better and God sees you and you're not alone. And you don't have to feel that way again because he understands. Would you stand in this place? He understands. He knows what it's like not to be seen. He came unto his own and his own received him not. He knows what it's like to be rejected and turned away. His very own didn't see him. Hagar is a pivotal character in the Old Testament. Most of our attention is drawn to Sarah and Isaac. Hagar and Ishmael played prominently in Old Testament history. And I tell you, Hagar and Ishmael are still playing a prominent part in our society today. We know the story. Sarah, they couldn't wait on the the promises of God. And Sarah brought her handmaiden in, Hagar, and told Abraham... You know, the Lord did tell us that he was going to give us a child, but but you know, maybe it'll be through Hagar. Why don't you take my handmaiden, and and why don't you go be with her, and then she can give us a child, and and that'll be God's promise, but that wasn't God's will. So he goes, and he's with Hagar, and she conceives a child, and that child is born. Then all of a sudden, Hagar starts looking at Sarah differently. She starts despising Sarah. As if, uh uh-huh, I've got something up on you. Well, it tormented Sarah. And Sarah went to Abraham and said, we're going to take care of this. And she said, well, she's your handmaiden. Do whatever you want to do. And the Bible said, you know, she just, she went all woman on her. Sarah rang the little bell and Hagar came in. Yes, you out of here. Bible says that Sarah dealt harshly with her. Who do you think you are? But Hagar didn't ask to be put in this position. Remember that. She got pulled into the middle of the plan because Abraham and Sarah couldn't trust God. So Hagar was an unwilling participant that got pulled in now. And now when she feels like that she's doing good, Sarah's mad at her. Who do you think you are? You're not better than me. And she just went after her, gave her a t- tongue knife and, well, and, and then just kicked her out of the camp. I mean, just kicked her out of the camp. Something about a woman's scorn, you better believe it. She kicked her out of the camp. So Hagar goes wandering off. And the Bible says that she's there and she's, she's all alone. And the Lord spoke to her. And he says, you're carrying a, you're carrying a male, male you're, 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 you know, Ishmael. He's going to be blessed in his own way. He's going to be a wild man. His hand's going to be against every man, and every man's hand's going to be against him. He's not the promised one, but in a way, I'm giving you assurance right now, Hagar that you're going to be okay, you're going to make it. 
So Hagar has this encounter. Now she's going to have an encounter later with the Lord, but this was the first encounter. And when she has this encounter with the Lord, she called him El Roy, or El Rai, which means the God who sees me. That's what it means. The God who sees me. Sarah doesn't see me. Abraham won't look at me. The camp has turned their face. But God, He sees me. What has you wondering whether you matter to God today? Can I tell you the one who heard Hagar's cry in the desert has his eyes locked on you today? He knows where you are and he knows the pain that you're enduring. And the road ahead may be difficult, but you'll walk every step in full view of El Rai, the God who sees you. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears upon unto their cry. Do you remember game you play, we're playing it again with our precious little grandbaby. The prettiest grandbaby of all grandbabies. Okay, you can think that way about yours. That's okay. The prettiest, the grandest of all grandbabies. Man, she's pretty. Hmm. Gets that from her papa. But anyway... You know, she's starting to, that facial recognition thing, is she's starting to get it. We, we would play that peekaboo. I see you. And children begin to learn that the face is always there. You cover up your face, and the kid, the baby goes... Then you go, I see you. And what does the baby do? <gasps> because you're there again. And then you go. I see you. <gasps> and their smile comes back. They get their joy back. They get that affirmation. You love me. You goofy looking, but you love me. I knew you weren't going to be gone too long. I see you. There you are. There you are. Great. I knew you'd come back. I got my joy back. A kid, when that face is revealed, it all comes back. That's what God wants to do for you today. When you realize that you're back face to face with God, that God's not hiding his face. <gasps> You'll get your joy back today. <sighs> There's his face. It was, never, it was never too far gone. It was never too far removed. It was there the whole time, but now I just see it. God wants to show you his face face to face so you can have that affirmation that I say, I love you. I need you. I care about you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I haven't forgotten about you.
You may have turned your face, but I'll never turn my face from you. I'm always here. I'm always here. And I promise you today, here's what I want us to do for the next few moments. I want us to come to this altar. And, and I want us to, 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 to lift our faces towards the heaven. Do you remember the mountain that Abraham and Isaac went to to worship and sacrifice? It was called Mount Moriah. And it means scene of jaw or scene of God. When Abraham looked at the servants, he said, y'all stay here. Me and the lad's going to go yonder to sacrifice. We're going yonder to worship. And Mount Moriah means scene of God, which means when they were, when they were stepped out to worship God, they got God's attention. It's the mountain of God's eye view. If you really want God's face to be turned towards you, all you got to do is step out and worship this morning. You'll get the attention of God. When they stepped out to worship, they were in full view of God's heavenly gaze. I promise you right now, if you want to catch the full gaze of God, no matter where you are or what you're going through, if you'll just begin to worship the Lord, You'll get his attention this morning. The eyes of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are upon you this morning.